You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Cowards. Hello, my radio friends. It's great to be with you today and I'm so glad you've tuned in for another look at God's Word, the Bible. The subject for today may seem rather strange because cowards are usually not very well liked. However, in some cases, there are different outcomes than you might think. When I was about 11 years old, my older brother was called up for compulsory national service. This meant he had to go into the regular army whether he liked it or not. All young men in Australia at that time were required to do the same. Some found army training to be an opportunity. Others resented being called up. My brother was a conscientious objector, meaning that he was not prepared to kill enemy soldiers. This was because my brother believed it was important to obey God's Ten Commandments. And if you know the commandments, the sixth one says, You shall not kill. Some Bible versions put it as, You shall not murder. Like Desmond Doss, who refused to carry arms in order to take the lives of other people, my brother was considered by some of his peers a coward. My brother requested that instead of being part of the artillery, again like Desmond Doss, he was willing to be part of the medical corps, where he could be actively involved in saving lives rather than taking them. That request was not granted. My parents supported my brother in his stand to be a non-combatant, and eventually the matter went to the Supreme Court of South Australia. The Australian Army versus my brother. The outcome of the court trial was that my brother was not required to carry arms. He served in a non-combatant role in the medical corps. My brother trained for two years but was never required to go to war. And in his case, although some called him a coward, he was not. If you ever see the movie Hacksaw Ridge, you would realise that medics are exposed to as much or even more danger in battle than the combatant troops as they hurry amidst enemy fire to rescue wounded comrades. Desmond Doss was in the United States Army during the Second World War. He was twice awarded the Bronze Medal for Actions in Guam, and the Philippines. For his actions in the Battle of Okinawa, he received the Medal of Honour for bravery, having saved the lives of 75 wounded soldiers. Doss is the only conscientious objector to ever receive the Medal of (laughs) Honour. And they called him a coward, a wimp, a namby-pamby, a milksop, a weakling. 
If you read the accounts of the four gospel books in the Bible of the arrest and passion of Jesus, you will soon realize that when the band of men who came to the Garden of Gethsemane at night to arrest Jesus, he put up no fight. Was he a coward? No. It required much more strength of character not to resist than to have tried to defend himself. In Matthew 26 verse 53 is recorded how Peter tried to defend Jesus by pulling out his sword and making a swipe at the nearest victim. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you not think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? Jesus put up no resistance to the arrest, although he had the means of wiping out all those who arrested him. How many in twelve legions? A legion is a group consisting of three to six thousand men. Twelve legions would consist of up to seventy-two thousand angels. One angel would have more than enough power to destroy all those who came to arrest Jesus. Peter bravely tried to defend his master, but soon afterwards he bravely ran away for fear, like all the other disciples present on that occasion. Later, under the cover of darkness, Peter made his way to the high priest's courtyard, where there was probably a fire burning, with people gathered around. Inside the house, Jesus was undergoing a mock trial. Now Peter's timid bravery turned to cowardice. I'll read to you from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 69 to 74. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You were also one with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, Ah, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him, and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Peter cowardly denied that he even knew Jesus. But Peter soon realized that what he had done and then he went out and wept bitterly. He had given in to public pressure and hence refused to acknowledge Jesus as his master to the people assembled there. You may have been in a situation when you knew you were in the right, but others ridiculed you. How did it feel? Horrible, I expect. Very few people are prepared to stand out against popular opinion. I've read many stories of young people 
who were convicted that the Bible is true. They were convicted to follow their consciences, even though their families, and often friends as well, ostracised them, and sometimes even made trouble for them. To their credit, these young people stood up for their principles despite the opposition. The world needs such people. Here's a quote from a widely read Christian writer, E.G. White. The greatest want of the world is the want of men, men who will not be bought or sold, men who in their ut- sorry, inmost soul are true and honest, men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole, men who will stand for the right, though the heavens fall. If you're convicted that something is right, what will you do about it? Are you one of those who's prepared to stand out and stand up for your conscience? Or do you meekly compromise? Here's an example. The fourth of the Ten Commandments stipulates that the seventh day, the last day of the week, is the Sabbath. There are lots of people who recognise that, yet quietly say to themselves, Ah, it doesn't matter. They try to dismiss their responsibility and duty by shrugging off what they know to to be right. I wonder what God thinks about that. When you're caught for speeding by the police, does the officer say to you, Ah, I understand. Although you were doing 85 in a 60 zone, there were no people around, so it doesn't matter. I doubt that you would be considered unaccountable. The $700 fine would be in the post. Is God some big softy that you can disregard his clear command? and disregard the consequences for disobedience? In cases like the example I quoted earlier, compromise is cowardice. Now, I want to share with you a story. Once there was an ant that lived in a tree by the side of a pond. He was very timid and was scared of even the slightest disturbance in the tree. One day a heavy wind blew across the tree and the ant fell into the pond and was struggling to swim and stay afloat. A pigeon that lived in the same tree broke a twig of the tree and threw it to the ant. The ant got onto the twig and the pigeon swooped down and picked up the twig and placed it back on the tree. The ant thanked the pigeon profusely for saving his life. As the days went by, the ant and the pigeon became good friends. The pigeon always told the ant that he should learn to be a bit braver and face life boldly. But the ant remained the same. One day, a hunter came to the pond to quench his thirst. As he was drinking water from the pond, he noticed the pigeon sitting in the tree. The hunter wanted to shoot the pigeon and got his bow and arrow ready. 
The ant noticed this and wanted to desperately save his friend. The pigeon was fast asleep and there was no way to warn him since he was sitting a long way from the ant. The ant knew that it did not have much time and had to act fast. In desperation, the ant jumped down from the tree and crawled as fast as he could and bit the toe of the hunter as hard as he could. The hunter cried out in pain and missed his aim. The pigeon woke up hearing the noise and noticed the hunter with his bow and arrow. He flew away to safety. The ant was very happy that it could save his friend and felt elated for having acted bravely for once in his life. The story clearly illustrates that when placed in a desperate situation, the ant could rise above its limitations and act bravely in order to save the pigeon's life. So, when the situation demands it, even a coward can turn into a courageous person. It's been quite interesting to hear what top-performing athletes have had to say about how they feel just prior to a race or contest. Surprisingly, many say that they feel nervous. I suggest that Jonah felt the same when the Lord called him to proclaim a message of judgment upon the people of Nineveh. Nineveh is currently named Mosul and it's found in the country of Iraq. I'm going to share what happened with Jonah straight after the break.
Sometimes when we are required to do things, we feel unsure. And I guess Jonah felt the same. In the book of Jonah, in the Bible, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah was one of God's prophets in the Old Testament times, and God called him to deliver a message to the people of that wicked city, Nineveh. But Jonah was a coward. He was afraid of the Ninevites, who were enemies of the Israelites. So what did Jonah do? Verse 3 says, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Although scholars are not entirely agreed on this, Tarshish probably refers to Sardinia, an island on the western side of Italy, and the quickest and best way to get there was by ship. Interestingly, you would have noticed that Jonah went down into the ship. That suggests that Jonah never paraded around the deck, but hid in his berth, where he thought the Lord could not see him. But God knew exactly where his prophet Jonah was and what he was doing. You see, we cannot hide from God. Psalms 139 verses 7 and 8 makes that clear. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell... Behold, you are there. There's more. But no matter where we go, or what we think, or say, or do, God knows all about it. We can have no secrets that are hidden to God. On the way to Tarshish, a tremendous storm blew up at sea, and the ship began to sink. The sailors threw out the cargo, but that never helped much. In desperation, they thought the bad luck must be due to somebody on board the ship, so they cast lots to see who it might be. The lot fell on Jonah, so they asked him questions about who he was and why he was on board. In verse 9, Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah suggested that they toss him overboard, so they reluctantly threw him overboard. Instantly, the sea stopped its raging. But God had not forgotten his cowardly prophet. In verse 17, the Bible says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish 
to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Some have asked the question, would not the digestive juices of the fish have digested Jonah in that time? Well, there have been whalers who have been swallowed by whales and who were still alive when the whale was later caught and sliced open. Apparently the digestive juice of the whale had bleached their skin so that they were chalky white. Maybe this happened to Jonah, although it is my opinion that since God had prepared his fish, the digestive process may have been stopped. Jonah cried out to the Lord from the belly of the fish. I suspect that very few people have prayed from the inside of a fish. Jonah reminded God about his mercies and at the end of his prayer announced, I will pay what I have avowed. Salvation is of the Lord. In Jonah 2 verse 10 the Bible says, So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. Most probably that dry land was on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea, somewhere near where Jonah had boarded the ship. From there Jonah went overland to Nineveh and delivered his message. The Ninevites repented of their sins and Jonah fulfilled his mission. The coward ended up with courage. In Luke 6.29, Jesus instructed his followers that if if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other so that they can strike you on it as well. Is it cowardice not to retaliate? No, it's the opposite. It requires more control, more commitment to do that than to get into a fight. Besides, there is much wisdom in avoiding escalating a situation by non-retaliation. Desmond Doss and my brother were considered cowards at first, but they weren't. They were men of principle and strongly kept their resolve. Peter's bravery failed him at a critical moment, and he was deeply sorry. Later on, when reassured of Jesus' love, forgiveness and acceptance, even though he'd been imprisoned three times, he bravely and confidently stood up for the Lord against powerful opposition. The little ant felt cowardly and weak, but faced with the need to help his friend, the pigeon, he summoned up all his courage and did what he could and saved his friend. Jonah, the cowardly and reluctant prophet, tried to run away from his responsibility, but when miraculously saved by God's patient intervention, he went to Nineveh and boldly proclaimed the message the Lord had given him. As a result, the whole city repented of their sins.
Betts, Peter, Desmond Doss, my brother, the little ant, and Jonah. But what about you? Are you inclined to be a coward, afraid to be different, afraid to be ridiculed by your friends and family, afraid to stand up for the right? Only you will be able to answer that question. But please remember that Jesus was misunderstood, treated abominably, and eventually put to death at the hands of those whom he came to save. He was no coward. He went through all that to save you. Yes, you. Friends, I've challenged you today. Now it's time to challenge yourself. And may God give you the courage to say, Yes, I know what I must do. Help me, Jesus, to be faithful and obey, no matter what. Until next time, my friends, this is Len signing off and wishing you God's blessings as you determine to follow and serve him.
Yeah. 